and welcome back to Are You From That Show, the podcast brought to you by Jordan and Hattie. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is season four. We're so pleased to be bringing you more conversations with our fellow child actors. So this week, we're so lucky to have the amazing Louisa Connolly Burnham joining us for a chat. Please do give us a like and subscribe to the podcast so that other people can find us too. So here we are with Louisa on the podcast. Enjoy. Louisa has been acting for over 14 years, starring as both the legendary Willow Jenks in House of Anubis and Shannon in Wolfblood. She has an extensive CV, having worked on stage in the theatre, and as well as having had roles in Call the Midwife and the multi-award-winning short film Beneath Water, has most recently written, directed and starred in her very own short film The Call Centre, which is available to watch now. Thank you so much for being on our podcast, Louisa. Welcome. Thank you, guys. That was a lovely intro. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. That's awesome. You've done, you've had such a long career already. How does it feel to think you've already been, you've achieved so much before you even hit 30? I think that I miss my career in my late teens, early 20s. (laughs) (laughs) Feels like it was a lot easier back then. No, it's wonderful. It's wonderful to have been doing it for so long. To see the industry change, become better. I think that it's wonderful to see how much more interesting projects are becoming, especially for young women. Um, But it's been a joy. I didn't go to university. I went to Newcastle and started shooting Wolf Blood and that was kind of my university so acting to me has it, it it's where I've grown up it's where I've met all of my very best friends it's been challenging and, and joyous and I, I still love it so that's good. <laughs> what an education that is though to grow up on a on a film set up in I'm, I'm assuming you're not from Newcastle I can no. tell you accent. um so what an amazing education that is. So yeah. how did it how did it start? What was your first job? So my first job was Midsummer Murders. Classic. Uh, yeah. Threw a little boy down a well. Mean. <laughs> uh, it came uh, came back to bite me on the ass later <laughs> on in life. Um I was a, a very kind of um how do I say this? Well, I was just like a very loud energetic child and so my dad put me into one of those like stage schools that you go to once a week just to sort of get some of the energy out and uh give my dad a break Um, and it was one of those kind of agencies that um well stage schools that had thousands of kids that were all thrown into like an agency yeah um I know that you guys started young as well so I'm sure you know what it was like yeah yeah mine was called Jackie Palmer I, um, I know, know Jackie like, Palmer. Yeah. We had yeah. Cla- well, a good friend of mine, Claire Thomas, who's been on the podcast. I know Claire. She's who great. I work with when I was younger. Yeah, she was at Jackie's, yeah. Uh, young Dracula, no? Yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah, there we go. CBBC fam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I started there when I was um, nine years old. And then I joined the agency a few years later after 
begging my dad because you had to take time off school to um to go for auditions which my dad was never very keen on and then I landed my first gig at, at I think I was 14 years old and, and that was Midsummer Murders and it was very exciting being part of Jackie Palmer's must have been going back to that exciting in itself because so many young performers came out of Jackie Palmer's I'm thinking like James Corden Aaron Taylor Jones. Aaron Ta- yeah yeah did it feel like that being there at the time well there was a very long waiting list even at the time and everybody knew that all of these stars were kind of coming out of this school and, and I was on the waiting list for years wow just to go to the school like just to go to the school once a week I'd never heard of waiting lists for kids drama schools before. Wow! Yeah, it was um, it was mad because it, it was it was really really good, and mm. and they were really churning out stars. Oh, loads of my friends at my primary school went there, and I was so jealous because we would finish primary school at three thirty, and they would all start putting on their leotards and their little Jackie Palmer <laughs> t shirts, and I was green with envy. Yeah. <laughs> Begging my dad, who do we talk to? Who do we kill? Yeah. <laughs> what what children do I have to kill to get a place <laughs> Sort of. Um, so yeah, and then I finally got there and it was, oh my God, it was amazing. And I was rubbish. <laughs> like, a lot of those kids had been going there for years and like had been, you know, doing ballet and tap for many years. So I was, I was um definitely um at the bottom of the class and kind of um worked my way up acting always came quite naturally to me but it took me a while to kind of get a grasp on ballet etc yeah yeah <laughs> why, why do you think that acting always came naturally to you I don't know none of my family are in the arts but I will say that all of my family are very gregarious like <laughs> very loud it's hard to get a word in edgeways and from the very young age of like four years old I had very supportive grandparents whenever I would go stay with my grandparents my grandmother would get the the camcorder out and my granddad Eric would put on a play um and and my nan would um would film it and it was he was always a viking in it I don't know why it's very niche (laughs) about it why was he always a viking he's casting Um, I know it was just you know (laughs) <laughs> he tried so hard to get out of that bracket but he yeah. just didn't. <laughs> no, it was never the love interest always the working exactly <laughs> um so it started off then really doing little plays with my granddad at like four and um and I was always just very kind of precocious all of my family are so yeah I guess one thing um with stage schools back then for kids is that because there wasn't many and they had much smaller capacities they were very exclusive Mm-hmm. So when you were in, I guess, obviously, when you'd want to wait this for such a long time, when you were in, it felt like you were in this really exclusive club, Definitely. I guess, at the time. And it kind of really, I guess, maybe fuels your desire to want to maybe do it more and do it more often because you're in that club now. You don't want to lose that place you've got there. Yeah, very much so. <clears throat> and also you want to move up in the classes because mm-hmm. I can't remember what they, you'd have like, you know, the green class, the blue class, the orange class. And obviously I started off in the lower one. And, you know, if, if friend, if some, if you're making friends in your, in your little Jackie Palmer class and then the next term they've moved up and you mm-hmm. haven't, you, you know, it, it, there's definitely kind of incentives. Also you start with white dance shoes, like white ballet shoes, white tap shoes and white jazz shoes. And as you get better, you eventually sort of, graduate to having black ballet shoes black tap shoes and black jazz shoes no. you used to 
thrive for the day that you would be in black shoes. I don't know if they still do that. I mean, we're talking 20 years ago, but that's how it was at the time. It was um, cutthroat. That is cutthroat. I mean, I, I was at Silver Young and we didn't have anything like that. We didn't have like, you know, different color ballet shoes. For didn't you? Grade. No, we had grades, but there was no like distinct color coordination in terms yeah. of uniform. That's a really good idea. Yeah, no, definitely. I was there with like my black Sharpie pen, like color. <laughs> <laughs> in my ballet shoes. Like, like Louisa, we can see they're fake. <laughs> Not again, Lou. We've talked about this. So once you did Midsummer Murders, were you auditioning quite regularly? Did it kind of pick up quite quickly? It was tough because after Midsummer Murders, I started my GCSEs. It was it was it was difficult because you get something on your CV and then more auditions start coming through. But I went to an all girls grammar school, which was, you know, pretty um, strict pretty strict on, on on your academics they they didn't like you they, they, they were not supportive whatsoever of me going to auditions or me acting or, or doing anything artsy so they made it very very difficult after Midsummer Murders for me to to audition and kind of capitalize on any of the kind of um buzz mm-hmm. you know not that there was that much I mean I was very much a guest role um but I think we shot Midsummer Murders either at a weekend or in a summer holiday or something. So I got away with it with that one. But no, I couldn't, I couldn't really. And, you know, my dad wanted me to get good GCSEs. But I, I auditioned for kind of like bits and bobs. But no, I think that that was the only thing I did for a few years and then focused on GCSEs for a bit, unfortunately. You look back now and though, are you quite glad that you concentrated on GCSEs or do you wish that you actually had gone full steam ahead and... And just went, you know, forget education, <laughs> give me more acting roles. <laughs> um, it's a good question. Um, I thought I would, I would say that I, I wish I'd just kind of gone for it, but like, there's no way my dad would have let me just sack off schools. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> and also, like, I really value, you know, the the kind of like. Yeah, obviously it would have been lovely to have finished Midsummer Murders and like gone straight out into it and really used that. But I really value the education that I got. I mean, not that my GCSEs really are kind of, as a qualification, really useful for anything that I do now, but I certainly won't forget the things that I kind of learned in those two years. And I don't know, it would have been great, but there's no way my dad or my school would have let me. So one can't dwell. (laughs) So was House of Anubis then the kind of longest, biggest job that you got at the beginning? Was that the first? Wolf Blood. Oh, Wolf Blood came before. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. So 2012 was wild, guys. <laughs> uh, Talk us through it. Talk us through I, it. Where do I begin? Yeah. I graduated um, school at the age of 18, auditioned for drama school, didn't get into any drama schools I got quite far with a few of them got quite far with Lambda and Mountview and Guildford but close but no cigar um and I was kind of lost at 18 I hadn't got into drama school I wasn't with Jackie Palmer anymore because I'd gone to to arts educational in Tring Park Mm -hmm. for two Mm -hmm. years and they don't let you have an agent while you're training there oh wow at 16, I had to contact my agent and go, sorry, guys, they're not letting me. And they were like, oh, OK, fine. Well, you know, see where you're at in two years. Didn't get into drama school. Got My dad was a, well, is a pub landlord. 
And so I basically sent a message to Jackie Palmer and I was like, hey guys, remember me? Uh, didn't get into drama school and um, I'm going to try again in a year's time. I'm just running my dad's pub. Would you guys mind signing me again? And just kind of like, you know, representing me up until I get into drama school and maybe I'll get some stuff, but I don't want to be running a pub. And they were like, yeah, sure, come back, which was very sweet. Um, I'd been with them for so long. They'd known me since I was a kid. So they were, it was very sweet. They brought me back and I was running the pub auditioning with Jackie Palmer, getting psyched up and ready to audition for drama school again. And I booked Wolf Blood wow. in 2012. So I did season one of Wolf Blood. Immediately after season one of Wolf Blood, I booked House of Anubis, moved from Newcastle to Liverpool, shot House of Anubis, wrapped House of Anubis, went back to Newcastle for season two of, um, of Wolf Blood, got signed by Curtis Brown, and then did Call the Midwife and Death in Paradise. Um, so yeah, that's kind of <laughs> was my start. That, well, that, um, that's a sorry you go on Jordan yeah you go Hattie you go no I was just gonna say what an exciting time to book those two massive jobs back to back like that yeah it was wild I remember I was <clears throat> I'd been running my dad's pub for quite a few months and I was miserable all of my friends were, were, went to drama school it felt like I really was the only one that got in and those that didn't sort of went off traveling and it felt like people were just doing exciting things some people had the smarts to let it go and do a proper degree and i was just pouring pints at home <laughs> living pouring pints then walking upstairs and sleeping and then coming back downstairs and pouring pints and i auditioned like four times for wolf blood it was like one of those long rigorous kind of the closer you get the you know the more mm. you want it and i hadn't heard for a couple of weeks and then i got the phone call at a quiet moment at the pub when i was behind the bar I asked my locals I was like my agent's calling can I can I take it they were like take it take it because they all knew that I've been auditioning and they were like you got it and I wept wept was it shots oh, I can around imagine it was like Babs get the Jaeger bombs out yeah. <laughs> she's moving to Newcastle pull your own points <laughs> apron off in the fire Literally. burn it yeah just ripping the pinny up yeah yeah totally what, um, so such a long audition process did you originally audition for Shannon? Was that the, the the part you originally auditioned for? Yeah, it was really interesting, actually. It was um, cast by the formidable Catherine Willis. And the lead role is um, a character called Maddie, played by my best friend, Amy. Um, and they'd started with Maddie. So when I went in, there was just Maddie's everywhere. You couldn't move for Maddie's. In fact, they'd only seen Maddie's. And then I walked into the room and she was like, Maddie, right? And I was like, no, Chardonnay. Because I kid you not, Shannon was originally called Chardonnay. Nice. And then she, I think, remember Catherine Riddis went, oh, you're the first Chardonnay. We haven't seen any Chardonnays yet. <laughs> Except for the pub. <laughs> so I was, I was like, no, I just left the pub. So <laughs> I, um, I was the first person to audition for Chardonnay who became Shannon. That must have felt quite good, actually going into something knowing that they hadn't seen loads of other people for that role? Do you think that gave you a bit more confidence going into it? Oh God, I don't even know if I had that. That I, I think I was, I was a teenager. I was just terrified. <laughs> I can't, and I remember I had to do a Northern accent. I was rubbish at it. So I think I was just, I don't know, may, maybe that thought went through my head. It was nice for them to have a, I guess, a, a fresh slate. And she was probably excited to see a new character, I imagine, to have a little bit of a break or, you know, something different. So what was the audition process like? for the part was it quite quick or was it like quite drawn out it was pretty drawn out. I mean everyone had different processes processes I mean some people only had one audition 
some people had one audition and then came back the same day. I had three or four over the space of a few weeks, couple on my own. And then there was like a, a good like whole day where they were like matching different people. Yeah, yeah. And weirdly on my day, I don't know if it was just a timing thing, but nobody in my group session was in the um was in the kind of final cast. And I remember in my session, there was loads of people going for different parts and I was the only Shannon. So I was going in with everybody as Shannon. There weren't any other Shannons in my session. There was like a few Maddies, a few Ridians, a few kind of, you know, Caras and whatever. But I was only, I was the only Shannon Chardonnay there at the time. <laughs> I was like, this feels good. This feels like a good side. Yeah. yeah. Did you know when you got the part that this could, this was going to be a big thing and this could change your life effectively? No, I don't. I don't think any of us realised kind of how big it was going to become. Yeah, no, no idea. I, I knew that it was beautiful. I knew that it was. What I love about Wolf Blood is it roots for the little guy, and mm. it glorifies the nerds, and it validates intelligence. And it was, I personally think, the most diverse cast I'd seen ever on cbbc at least like it was we had so many just so so many like different walks of life were represented in that show the female characters were brilliant and sassy and fiery it wasn't till we got there and i met everybody and we did the read through and then sometimes you'd shoot a scene and then they would come and they'd let you pop back and see what you'd shot and we were in like the the moors of Northumberland and Newcastle. And then when we got there and we started seeing some of the footage, we were like, oh my God, this is like cinematic. It was like nothing I'd seen. It was like no kids TV show I'd ever seen. They definitely started to feel like there was a bit of a magic on set when we got there. I mean, like I, I watched, I watched a lot of Wolfblood recently because um, I was working on a project and there was a kid's show and it was one of the shows actually we were looking at in terms of like how a kid's show should almost be written and how almost quite progressive it was at the time and I I genuinely thought it's fantastic and I watched it as a, a 33 year old I was 32 yeah. at the time I was like this show is amazing it's like is it did you know it even before it had been released that it was going to do so well not really like I say it felt magical when we were there and I yeah. had seen um I'd seen some of the rushes and I thought it looked pretty awesome I also knew that we were not long after the Twilight saga yes. and everybody was kind of loving the whole vampire werewolf yeah. vibe yeah. so I thought oh that might kind of you know that kind of might work in our favor but I also hadn't really done anything and none of us really had. Bob, Bob had done a season of House of Anubis, but other than that, we were all kids. Like none of us had really done much. So I don't think we had any idea really. Uh, and then the first season came out and it was like pretty wild. BBC Three loved it and asked if they could start showing it on BBC Three because they were like, we think adults will like it. I remember that actually, yeah, because I'm a bit older than you and I remember, yeah. We were like, oh my God, they're showing it on BBC Three. (laughs) And then Disney comes along like 
we love it can we have it and then disney bought it and all of a sudden it was everywhere yeah were confirmed for like many many seasons and also the wolf blood fans we were talking to bobby about this actually that they they come in their numbers (laughs) i mean yeah it's wild like look at my instagram i haven't worked in years that's all wolf blood (laughs) that's all wolf blood like we they are we are a wolf pack they are brilliant they they are still to this day so unbelievably supportive of everything that we do and um it was a special show and i think that the love for it has kind of continued over the years yeah still popping up in new territories so we still get waves of like hello i'm watching in indonesia it's just (laughs) or the philippines or thailand it's like it it's slowly making its way around the world thank god because i could not survive without those royalties (laughs) let me tell you those royalties saved my ass so so you were 18 19 when it first came out no i was not yeah i was 19 what was it like as a 19 year old being a part of this huge and successful children's show. Thing is, I, I already kind of knew at that time because I'd been at, acting for a few years or at least trying to. I was always going up for roles that were five years younger than me. So I knew that was fairly normal. And um, in a way, it was lovely because our audience, we weren't hu- we weren't hugely older than them. So when we met them, it, it was really special because they're only like a few years younger than us. So we could really connect with our audience and, you know, speak to our audience in a non-patronizing, condescending way. We could actually have conversations with them and totally understanding their excitement. Like, I mean, I was a big fan of, you know, Buffy and Pokemon. Yeah. Mm. I totally you know how it feels to be a fan, yeah. Oh my god! I mean, I'm acting like I've changed at all. I would still now <laughs> if, if I met Sarah Michelle Gellar or anyone like that. But I could, you know, when you see those kids going mad for Wolf Merge, you're like, yeah, I get it. Like, I'd be, you know, going crazy for the stuff that I love as well. So it was, it was wonderful, and we've grown up with them. So. Mm. Some of the wolf blood. It's very interesting. I obviously made a film um, called The Call Center. Which I can't wait to talk to you about. I watched it today and absolutely loved it. Thank you so much. It's so interesting. The wolf blood fans, I actually raised the money for for the call center over kickstarter that was stressful yeah i know that so much of that support behind the kickstarter campaign came from the wolf pack really yeah and like and, and, and a lot of the Wolfblood fans and the House of Anubis fans absolutely loved my film, The Call Centre, which is a very mature film, um, you know, dealing with sexual assault and, you know, masturbation and all kinds of things. And then I remember, oh, wait, they're older too. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they've, they've grown, grown up with you. They've grown up with us and they're supporting our next projects and they're, they're maturing and they have really interesting things to say. And mm-hmm. um it's the joy of kind of coming up through a kids' show, as I'm sure you guys know. What was it like when Wolf Blood did come to an end for the cast? Was it tough? I'm looking at you through the screen, <laughs> shaking your head. <laughs> oh my goodness, it was it was really tough because um, it. So Wolf Blood went for five series. However, Amy left after season two. And then me and Bobby and Kedar, who played, we played Shannon, Ridian and Tom, we decided 
that at the end of season three, it had come to a really beautiful ending. Mm-hmm. And Amos had already gone the year before. And like we kind of came to the decision that we were going to kind of bow out after three years. And also, I think we wanted to move on to like mature projects. I think we wanted to kind of try some more adult roles and adult projects. Um, and it was, oh my goodness, I can barely even talk. I haven't talked about it in a long time. There, as you know, you don't shoot in sequence. Um, so that the goodbye shot, um, we shot like a couple of weeks before we actually wrapped. And we hadn't really got our heads around it. We had, we, you sort of look at the cool, the cool sheet blurry eyed at 5 a.m., like mm-hmm. trying to desperately learn your lines while you're shoving, shoving like a bacon roll into hand and you know, <laughs> sort of doing mascara on your face. And then we got to the scene, which was a goodbye where, where Ridian, played by Bobby, leaves and, um, me you know Shannon Tom and Yana are sort of standing there saying goodbye we realized in that moment and we could not keep it together oh Louisa yeah we oh, <laughs> oh my god I haven't thought about it so long it's making me emotional <laughs> I, feel were... that. I feel emotional <laughs> yeah I feel emotional <laughs> we were <laughs> I don't know why I'm getting so upset I haven't thought about it so long hormonal we were absolutely in bits it was really 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 tough and poor Bobby god he had to do this this speech this like beautiful speech that goes whatever we do wherever we go what will always be a pack and it was Poor Bobby had to like pull it together. I mean, there's pictures and videos of it, and we are all sobbing. The crew are sobbing. That it was, you know, it was an emotional wreck because it was scary. None of us knew what was next. We mm. knew that we'd been together for three years, grown up together. Wolf Blood had had such big success, and and life was scary. London was scary. Auditions were scary, and unemployment was scary and and we were a family and we are a family we are the best of friends still Mm. that's great to hear actually Mm. because it's not always the case that you know a cast gets on that well especially especially kind of when you start when you're younger because people do often grow up and kind of go in different directions Mm. and I'm sure that's happened anyway but you know the fact that you're all still so close I've definitely obviously have made wonderful friends in every job that I have been in, but nothing compares to the family that was formed in Wolfblood. I've I've never known anything like it. Do you it think was, it's Do you think it's also part of the fact that you guys? I mean, maybe for you, maybe maybe I'm not sure if all the cast did, but you filmed in an area that you weren't from, so you were away from everything, mm. and you kind of almost had to rely so much on your fellow cast members and your crew to kind of be your family on a job that probably for a lot of you, I know. Um, it was the, probably the biggest job you guys had all done at that time. Mm-hmm. That's what bonded you together so strongly. Definitely. We were isolated pretty much in the middle of nowhere. And the first season was was a six-day week, 12 hours wow. a day. Wow, that's hefty. We, we were, you know, for four months, we were together six days a week, 12 hours a day. Occasionally, you got back to London. But by the time you got back to London, you had to come back to Newcastle. And um, it was cold and it was long days and lots of kind of sitting around the heaters, chatting and all, you know, in long term, long distance relationships and sharing things and missing family. And um, 
to, other than Amy and Neek, none of us really knew Newcastle. So that was really mm. exciting. All discovering Newcastle together. Good Lord, that was wild. Yeah. <laughs> Did you go on the kind of student nights out with all the students up there? Oh, yes. <laughs> my 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 dignity is somewhere in a club called the cut in newcastle i haven't seen it since i never found my dignity again <laughs> banned you've been banned from there banned. banned from newcastle did you guys get recognized when you went out all together would people kind of come up to you as groups yeah all the time yeah they still do now if we're, if we're all together and people are seeing they're like huh huh, huh, huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, who would they recognize first who where did the dominoes start to fall Bobby. Yep. Uh, Mark Fleischman, who plays Mr. Jeffries, is pretty undeniable. Uh, Kedar, although now everyone recognises Kedar for sex education. Honestly. Yeah. Wolfblood. No one cares about Wolfblood anymore. <laughs> there was, do you know what, though? There was an amazing moment a few, well, I'll say a few, it must have been over a year ago now because of COVID, but Kedar took me to see um a show called and juliet the musical in the yeah. West end very very fun show and um i think he'd got tickets or something because of sex ed and we went and we went backstage and it was amazing and then me and kudar kind of came out the front of the theater and there was some school trip there and they saw him <laughs> and they were like oh my god it's Ke it's it's kedar it's jackson for sex education everyone was going wild and i was sort of you know being number one fangirl of kedar <laughs> i was like filming it all and then everything started changing and then everyone was like started pointing at me and then everyone was like it's shannon from all, <laughs> oh <my God!" laughs> all of a sudden like this sex education excitement yeah. moved to wolf blood excitement i was like yes yeah. I'm, still, I'm still worth something yeah. I'm, I'm still relevant i'm still relevant <laughs> <laughs> it was so good it is amazing how like um i remember when we a lot of guests and and myself and probably hattie as well probably because we were a little bit younger getting recognized was not a fun thing did you ever find that when you first started getting recognized did you enjoy the fact that you were getting recognized or was it hard guys i loved it i still love it always um, you've I always loved it always loved it wish it still happened oh it's awesome <laughs> i'm not gonna sit here and be humble i live for it <laughs> it's quite nice to hear that actually i like that yeah. yeah but i think it's an age thing i think because you were obviously probably around 2021 20, at the time you're at an age where you can really appreciate it and yeah. you're at an age where you want to stand out. Whereas I think when you're sort of 12, 13, 14 and you know, you're spotty and you're, you, you're like, you're worried about puberty, you're worried about you look like too much and you're not sure who you are that much. Getting recognized is the worst thing in the world. But I think because you were a bit old, it probably was, you could appreciate it more. Well, I definitely had acne all the way up until my mid twenties. So okay. Even even um, acne wasn't going to stop me from lapping up <laughs> every bit of, of validation and attention. I like that. Do you know? I think that's honest. I think probably more people actually think that Jordan said yeah. that, that they haven't. To us. I'm not. I'm not going to be like, yeah, you know, it was really hard. Like, <laughs> Please don't give me any space. I don't want space. I want less space. <laughs> Did you walk around playing the theme tune just so people can kind of find you? I went, I went around with like a little, a little low bun and like glasses <laughs> yeah. and a with, a, with a high work sack just yeah. in a northern accent. Yeah. Like, oh, you've caught me. This is how I am all the time. Get carrying our wolf blood bafta. Like, oh yeah. God, I hate it when this happens. <laughs> <laughs> quite, quite a pound. 
That's awesome. That's so amazing. did you then move to London? Were you living in London kind of part-time anyway and going up to Newcastle? And then you made the move to permanently be in London afterwards? Uh, I moved to London after the first season of Wolf Blood, mm-hmm. so 2012. And um, yeah, and I mean, it was very, it was very pointless, really. But I had a, 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 a boyfriend, an American boyfriend. You bought one? I bought one off eBay. <laughs> I bid for him. <laughs> um <laughs> biggest waste of money no I'm just kidding <laughs> he was lovely um but he had just moved over finally after three years of a long distance relationship finally moved over to the UK <laughs> and, he, and then I got wolf blood but he was here and so I was like I kind of need to move to Newcastle um so what I did was I kind of got us a base in mm-hmm. in London and kind of he was there and I was kind of coming back and forth and then, you know, finished Newcastle, like, brilliant, yay, now we can start our life together in London. Then I booked House of Anubis and moved to Liverpool. <laughs> I was like, yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry about that. Bad time is, babe. Uh, yeah, only lasted for a year and then he went back to America. So. Fair enough, though, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we got to try these things. I was young. Yeah. <laughs> what was House of Anubis like having... You know, having the experience of Wolf Blood, did it feel very different? Was it a different kind of set? And yeah, two cast? very, two very, very different experiences. Um, first of all, the beauty of Wolf Blood was it was a brand new show, and I was mm-hmm. original cast, and you can really kind of build from the ground up. House of Anubis, I was the new girl in season three, so they very much were all friends they were the family uh, that mm-hmm. I had just come from in wolf blood yeah and I had to kind of try and find my feet there as the new girl um which you know wasn't hugely difficult they're all wonderful people um and also I got put into flat into a flat with the other new girl mm-hmm. who's Alexandra Ship, who is Storm in the X-Men the new X-Men yes movie. So we got we were the two new girls. She'd come over from LA and I'd come over from London and they put us together and she's my best friend. Like we are we just completely fell in love. So I really landed on my feet there with Ali. Um shooting wise, it was a world apart, which originally was quite nice because it was all in a studio. It was like built in a mm-hmm. huge yeah. big box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um in Liverpool and they the money that they had like they were just it was a different world to Wolfblood. Wolfblood was a new BBC show being this shot is, in rural Newcastle in the winter absolutely mm. freezing <laughs> it like 4am night shoots freezing our asses off and then you go to a very very shiny Nickelodeon mm. studio and it was wonderful at first I was like wow like I've made it but actually do you know what I missed it. I missed cold Newcastle. I missed, you know, hopping into the location van at the beginning of the day oh. and driving into the moors, not knowing where on earth you were going. And they just, you know, just the scenes that you saw. That seven months in Liverpool in a big cardboard box. Um, and they constantly feed you. I must have put on about two stone. I mean, the, the girl, the, the 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 Willow Jenks that I am in in episode one of Alpha <laughs> is a very different Willow Jenks to the end. I put, I put on about two stone because they would bring out just donuts and yeah, and cans of Coke. There was no cans of Coke or Wolf Blood. You'd be lucky if you got a glass of tap water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was um, 
very well looked after um, in House of Anubis, but they were worlds apart, those two shows. That's amazing. I, I loved studio work as opposed to location work. I loved it. The reason why I can't drink cold milk with my cereal is because of location work, because it reminded me of really cold early mornings, having to eat like cereal out of a box in front of like a, a, a catering tent. Yeah. I loved studio life way more. I just, I liked the comfort. <laughs> I did. It was nice to be warm, but sometimes I just wanted daylight. Yeah, that's true. You, you, that's true. You, you'd turn up at six in the morning in the darkness, yeah. go into the box, and then you'd leave and it would be dark and you feel like you you haven't breathed any air. Yeah. You've had nine Mars bars, <laughs> no daylight. But I, I know what you mean. And it, it was a nice welcome break because bloody hell, Newcastle was cold and Wolfblood mm-hmm. was a hard shoot, really hard shoot. So, so you finished Wolf Blood. You're back in London. World is at your feet. Mm-hmm. How does it go? What happens? How do you feel? <sighs> so, it started off quite well. I got signed by Curtis Brown, which awesome. was very, very exciting. And then very quickly got called the Midwife and Death in Paradise. And it was all getting, it was all seeming very exciting for that first year or two. Then my agent retired at Curtis Brown which okay. was a bit of a blow. It was really unexpected. I, I, don't, I hadn't hardly been with her and things were going well. I'd finished Wolf Blood. I booked a couple of things. It felt like I'd done a film in Holland. It felt like things were kind of, you know, going well. So she retired and I got passed on to another agent at Curtis Brown. Things kind of changed after that. It wasn't like the person that had signed me. And, yeah. and it just... I always thought that at those big agents, surely if you're with anybody at Curtis Brown or anybody at United or Independent, whoever you're with, they must, yeah. they're going to be amazing, right? Because they're, yeah. they're under that umbrella of that agent. But, you know, it's not necessarily the, the case. Um, I had just shot Call the Midwife, the Christmas special, um, which had had really, really good like critical success. And, and it was a really good moment for me. And it came back after Christmas and everything was kind of really exciting. And I was with my new agent and I got an audition for like a little indie film shooting in Amsterdam for the lead role. And the script was fine. Like it was, it needed some work, but you know, it was, it was fine. It was a very low budget, small thing. Um, and I got the job. But I remember feeling at the time like, uh, do I want to move to Holland for three months to to shoot this film when the script's not great, the money is terrible. I, it feels like I'm kind of hot property right now. I'm getting auditions yeah. for everything after Call the Midwife. And I remember going to my agent and being like, help, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm 21. Like, yeah. can, can somebody tell me what to do? Should I, I I've never been offered a lead in a film. I didn't know whether to say no yeah. I didn't to stay and, and and wait and hold out because the auditions that were coming through I'd never had before and it was going really well. I didn't really get much guidance. Mm. Um, they were kind of like, it's your decision. And so yeah. I, took, I took the film, moved to Holland for three months. The film was awful. Like it's, it, it's a, not great and it was an awful experience. I was completely unsupported and alone in Amsterdam. Wow. Um, it was pretty bad. And then when I finally came back to the UK, all the buzz that had kind of happened around Call the Midwife had gone. Like it was, that was the moment to kind of capitalize. And then I kind of decided it's not really working, you know, at Curtis Brown. So I'm going to, 
I'm going to look around. Then I got signed by Conway Van Gelderen. Brilliant, great agent, wonderful. Year, a year, and I did a bit, a bit of theatre. I'd never done theatre, and I loved it. And I, I was really kind of doing TV and film. And I, I never thought that I would get to do theatre because mm. I didn't get into drama school. Yeah. And I was a CBBC girl. But then I, I, they started getting me in for some theatre, and I got two really gorgeous jobs. Then my agent retired. No. <laughs> Stop choosing old agents, Louisa. I know. Well, I've I fixed that now. I've got a fabulous, fabulous agent. Under uh, 40? <laughs> he's in, I actually have an He's in his 40s. He's wonderful. Michael at Hatch. But anyway, so following the success of Wolfblood and, you know, having a couple of cool things happen, I had two age, two brilliant agents retire back to back. And um, it was really, really hard after the, after my agent and Conway Van Geldegraaf retired because I didn't really, you know, nobody really cared about Wolfblood anymore. It was quite a few years before, like House of Anubis was over, like, you know, oh, why were you with Curtis Brown for a couple of years? And then, and then Conway for one year. And all of a sudden, you know, it's hard to get in the door again because I wasn't 19 anymore. I was in yeah. my mid-20s and nothing much was going on but I had met Michael who's my agent Michael Ford at Hatch Talent years ago so the call the midwife episode that I was in the Christmas special had a big screening as they do every year with the Christmas special and Michael's client was in that episode with me mm. and I met him at the screening and obviously he wasn't my agent but he came over to me and he pulled me aside and he and he, and he was so wonderful and he really praised my performance and we kind of became buddies on like social media and we kind of kept in touch over the years he's always been really supportive like a genuine fan of mine like a supportive of mine even though I wasn't his client he's just always been very good to me after everything that happened with Conway Van Geldegraan and Curtis Brown I, I I thought, God, maybe I should, maybe I should email Michael. <laughs> and I emailed Michael and we had a meeting and it was absolutely brilliant. And I, I've been with him for the last, oh God, I don't know. I should know this. Only like a year or two. And it's been wonderful. I feel really safe, really supported. So yeah, I feel, I feel like, I feel like good things are coming, going up for some really cool stuff and um, feeling, feeling positive and, and hopeful again, which is nice. That's fantastic. I'm so pleased to hear that. That's a, yeah. After all, cause it is hard going through changes in agents, but to find someone that you get on with, to actually get on with, not just about the work is mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you kind of had that relationship going forward yeah it's 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 really nice and and they're also michael and also i have to note that i've got a wonderful manager called nick bernheim wonderful agent over in america at book called talent called jesse young i've got three blokes now i've got three lads looking after me i'd never yeah. had i'd never had a male agent before and now i've got three and i love it <laughs> they're, all, they're all very naughty and i love it um, which cool. actually i want to ask you about the call center so i watched this today hmm congratulations on writing a film and not only that but producing it directing it starring in it how did that come about and how was it to make so um i have a day job um i work in insurance and i have done for nearly five years and up until covid hit my job was at a call center um in kentish town in north london i think i know it you know because i used to live in kentish town and obviously yeah. lots of my friends are actors 
And I think I had other friends that worked there, if that's the one. Yeah, very probable, very <laughs> yeah. probable. It's full of actors, full to the brim of, of artsy-fartsy people. It's wonderful, wonderful <laughs> company. But I started work there five years ago, having, you know, things were quietening down a little bit with acting. And I'd always wanted to write and I'd always wanted to direct, but I was kind of waiting for the, for the idea. And I've never had an idea fall into my head in the way that the call centre fell into my head. I was literally on the phone to a customer and the idea came into my head because I it blows my mind that the amount of data these companies have on us. So we know where our customers live. We know how many children they've got, if they're married, what their email address is, all their contact numbers, where they work. Wow. we know that they're their birthdays they're wow. everything that's just the logistical stuff you need to set up somebody's insurance but then you build rapport you know what they're having for dinner they'll tell you where they're going on holiday they'll tell you when they're going away for the weekend the name of the kids you know love affairs everything if somebody feels comfortable with you on the phone they will tell you anything and I like to think I'm quite charming so I, can <laughs> I, I bet you're so good at that yeah really get the good stuff yeah. I was just thinking to myself what on earth would happen if all of this information that we have at our fingertips in these call centers got into the wrong hands? There are hundreds of thousands of call centers in the world with millions and millions of people, Vodafone, O2, home insurance, life insurance, they're everywhere. All it takes is one sociopath to have all of that information. In my film, I wanted to write the story about a very lonely, introverted young woman that had kind of been swallowed up by London and was just really, really desperate to connect, just, just cripplingly lonely, wanted a connection, mm. wanted intimacy, wanted love, wanted something. And she feels like she has this connection with this customer on the phone who she's setting up life insurance for. And she spontaneously decides to kind of steal his data to like write down his address and just turns up at his house and says, I'm the girl that set up your life insurance today and then it all kind of goes downhill from there wow it's very clever i also really like the relationship that you it's very fleeting but you see with her colleague at the beginning i don't want to give too much away but i like that because it really you get to know the character better so you kind of understand where she why she does maybe what she does and what she's looking for and yeah. I'm talking quite quite abstractly because Jordan hasn't watched it yet, so I don't want to give it no, away. No, don't ruin it for me. <laughs> we'll Go watch it. <laughs> I also recognise Haringey Station, and I live quite near there. Oh yes, big up Haringey. Got to get Ooh. a bit of London in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's been amazing, Louisa. <laughs> what a fantastic chat! Oh, no, we I, Hattie Hattie always says we can talk about talk to our guests forever, but honestly, we could talk for another hour or so very easily <laughs> with you. But thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, guys, and big up Child Stars. Hey, yeah, we're yeah. surviving. We're surviving, <laughs> and I hope that you guys are doing okay, and I hope that you guys are hanging in there as well. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, as, yes, you. in our own ways, in our own <laughs> way. <laughs> by a thread, George. Yeah. Jordan's like, send help. Yeah. <laughs> blink, Morse blink code. Twice. Blink twice if you need help, Jordan. <laughs> I have no eyes left. Um, <laughs> thank right. you so much. Thank you, guys. 
thank you so much to Louisa for being on our podcast. And thank you to George for providing the music. You can find him at soundcloud.com forward slash George. That's J-A-U-G-E. Tune in next time. See you later.